Okay. All right, Tonys fans. We may not know when the Tonys are going to be, but we have the nominations. And right here we have some of the foremost experts of the Great White Way. We have Andy Hum. We have David Sheward. We have Brian Lipton. I'm Tom O'Neill. And uh, uh, anyway, who's got some inside scoop <laughs> on what's actually going to happen, if anything's going to happen? Well, um, Who do we know? Uh, I know that Tony voters, of which I am one, and I think Brian is also, yeah. we did receive a communication uh, saying where you had to say which shows you had seen of the nominees. Uh, there's right. like a portal where you say, yes, I've seen this show, and here's right. the date I saw it on. And that's the last we've heard. Um, exactly. That was the last piece of information the league has publicly communicated to any of us. Um, there hasn't even been the usual, unless David, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Tony swag yet for Tony voters. I got oh, I, one I thing. Get one, one piece of Tony swag. Probably we got the same one. I got uh, a, big, a nice big book from Moulin Rouge. Yeah, uh, by the great David Cody. Um, yes. But that was it. So, I mean, I've heard from people who have talked to Charlottetown Martin, who's the head of the league, mm -hmm. that I think, despite what they originally said about doing it in 2020, they're now thinking more maybe the spring of 2021. And I think everything is falling on the fact that we really will not have our next Broadway show the fall of 2021. And I think, you know, Dr. Fauci just said something about that. I think now that, that everybody agrees on that, there's less of a rush in a way to do this and more time for them. And I'm not necessarily defending how this is going. Huh. More time for them to think about the best way they can put on some sort of virtual ceremony. I still think we're going to end up with a virtual ceremony, but I think they're probably trying the best way to figure out how to do that. Well, what's you could, you know, I imagine it's not as simple as it was at the Emmys in a way, and, and not that that was simple, but that, that wasn't the case of where you had to have the live cast of a show on, on stage. Uh, that, that's what the Tonys are famous for, having everybody there. So everybody's got other jobs now, uh, presumably or hopefully, uh, and even if they didn't, the cost involved in staging those productions are right. enormous. Then you get into all those guild problems. So if you try to show clips from anything, you've got to get everybody to sign off on all that. I imagine it's a nightmare. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess now that you know that, that you know they've made the nominations, it's moot about whether they should even be doing this at all. But that was my feeling in the beginning. Uh, you know, just wait, fold it into the next season. There was so much that didn't open this year. Except now, I mean, I'm going to disagree, Andy, and Tom knows because I've been through this. The next season will now be fall 2021 to, to May of 2022, and it's not fair to actually include these 18 shows that will have been way, way to be forgotten into that season. I think, and I think David may agree with me, but we sit on a number of other organizations together. The Tony should have followed the rule of the New York Drama Critics Circle, the Drama Desk, and every other organization David and I belong to, and just uh, and Matt, hi Matt, hey, we belong hey. to these with Matt. Women is done it in April or May when the rest of is us it under, in an undershirt. That's the way Nobody could see the shows. You're not allowed to watch the shows on clips. It should have just been figured out fairly quickly who was an eligible Tony voter and gotten this over with. I realize it's a little harder than, like with the drama critic circle, what are there, 30 of us or something? 
but even yeah, so, it, it wasn't it, that looking far. back at the time, I thought that we were acting very. I, I thought we might have been rash, but in retrospect, no. we really made the right move. Yeah, to just get it over with and do it, and that oh. that was the smart move. Now the Tony is. I I feel oh. like I I feel like oh. it's like, what's the point? Someone what's at my door. Point? I'll be right back. I, uh, nominees. The nominees right. can't take the tension all this time. <laughs> they have. Well, I agree I with you. Man. They exactly. have bigger it's things to worry that. about. It's you're right. I mean, well, isn't entertainment all about suspense anyway? So come on, let's yield. Not this much. Not this much. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, the Tonys are always, for better and worse, um, the way to be a big commercial for Broadway. I mean, as much as they are about honoring performers and plays the ceremony itself is to attract attention to these shows for the rest of the world. But you know, who knows? These shows aren't coming shows, back. Right. I don't know if any of these shows, frankly, are coming back. I hope some of them do. And even if they do, it's really way too late to be worrying about that. I think, I think Brian makes a good point. It sort of highlights that the uh, raison d'etre of the Tony Awards yeah. is not to honor the best of the season, but to get asses in the seats. Right. <laughs> the fact that they kept pushing back asses in the seats of the, of the Broadway theaters. And since we can't do that right now, Charlotte St. Martin's, you know, fumbling, uh, you know, not, not fumbling, but the subtext of what she was saying. It was fumbling. It was fumbling. Yeah. <laughs> the, subtext, the subtext of her statement, of this interview she gave, I think on Sirius XM radio or something, um, was that, well, now we know, it, it, and it was just after they said, that we're pushing back the opening date uh, or the potential opening date to June of, of 2021. Well, since we're not going to open until June of 2021, there's no rush because right. if we got the awards now, there's not going to be any impact at the box office because there is no box office. So we're just going to wait and, you know, mm. to make it as close to the time as it possibly uh, to when the theaters will be open again as possible to get the asses in the seat. And, what I would point, uh, also what Brian was saying, uh, I think is interesting, is that the, the drama desks, the outer critics, New York Drama Critics Circle, the Lortels, the Obies, all just gave them out in a, in a more or less timely fashion. And it, it highlighted that, you know, we're here just to honor what was the best and to not to be a commercial or a, a marketing tool. So and give to your, your, mistake, your point, Andy, every organization, no, I mean, to your earlier point, I think every one of those organizations, four of which I do belong to, had the same debate about whether or not we should do it. I mean, there was always a faction of people who agreed with you that we shouldn't do it, and we all agreed at the end that we should. But Brian, you also take in with a lot of those awards, a lot of off-Broadway. And yeah, uh, right. so here's the point. I mean, New York, nobody can even conceive what New York is going to be like. Will tourists ever come back for, for any, you know, short period of time? Is this the time for the Tonys, which I know it's a Broadway trade show, to reconsider and say theater in New York or, or theater everywhere, I don't know, but theater, the way the Olivier Awards are done in, in, uh, in, in Britain, uh, and start and change that. So, it, because, you know, theater is going to, I mean, who's the, who is theater going to be for? when it gets started again. Oh, if you're talking about the, the eternal debate of whether or not the Tony should include Off-Broadway, um, I always think that's a good, a good thing to reevaluate. And, and you're right, nobody knows where we're gonna end up and maybe for the next season, they will reevaluate re it. But the point is the nominee, I think to Tom's original question, 
the nominees have been made. They're out now. The real issue is why are we like still dragging our butt? Right. Yeah. Why? Actually, just to get asses in the seats. Yeah. Right. Of course, that's and that's and that's probably, shameful because yeah. and we and, and the reason it's shameful is we know that uh, very often, uh, as we say among us pundits, that uh, it's important to win that Tony Award for best musical. Let's say because the, now that. Uh, virtually guarantees it's going to get a road show. Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for commercial. And I think, uh, to the point earlier, I think a lot of them, I mean, Moulin Rouge will, as far as I know, a Moulin Rouge, Jack Little Pill, uh, uh, the Tina Turner musical, I, from what I understand, they have the capital. It will, they will reopen at some point. I think of those, uh, only Moulin Rouge is a lock. To come back, I I could very much see the other two just not happening. It's it's possible, but the investors, even if they have the capital, they might just decide to cut their losses, and it could very much depend on what opens first, and then ga the them gauging. Okay, is it worth it for us to do this? And uh, an issue that hasn't really been explored is not just the capital, but are these investors going to be able to get insurance for no, their yeah. shows? And if they two lawyers in the room, Tom, it's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> if they can't get insurance, then I mean, they. I mean, they're certainly not going to do it until there's a vaccine and virtually everyone, because they would never have done it like before. Like I remember talking to like uh, uh, Jason Baruch, uh, who's a, a pretty well-known theater attorney, and he basically told me like months and months ago that nothing was happening until at well after there was a vaccine. So like if, if well, if they can't get insur like if they can't get insurance, that's going to a lot of people, I, I would imagine that the only shows that are going to come back are those that are totally commercially secure. And on top of that, I think it really goes to Andy's point, to your point, Matt, about who's the audience going to be when we come back. Yeah. Because I agree with you, Andy. I don't think the tourists, and from what I've read, and yeah. I hate to say it, I don't think there's much of a tourist trade. Yeah, and like Andrew Weber keeps talking about Broadway, Broadway shows. And, um, and right, I think the next batch of Broadway shows have yeah. to be things like, that appeal to New Yorkers, or like at the least the most they surreal people thing. in the tri-state. Yeah, and the that's a much smaller audience. And it's, I mean, before the pandemic, that was a small part of the Broadway audience. Yeah. It's an even smaller part now. So unless you think you're producing something that's a must-see for somebody on the Upper West Side or even New Jersey, and I think this goes to Matt's point, Matt's point, and the prices probably sadly aren't going to change. I don't really see Broadway like being so generous and you know starting to sell their tickets for forty-nine dollars. Um, I think we're going to see a very different landscape. So I'm not sure which of these will come back. Although I will agree with you, David, that Moulin Rouge seems to be the one that I would most bet my money on. Do you uh, think that there could a, be a, like a, you know, in terms of contract re re renegotiations, like a striker lockout once before things get back? You, uh, you mean safety issues or? No, I mean them, and Charlotte hinted at this in her last, in one of her interviews is that they expect you know, contract renegotiations the same way that the Met is seeking contract oh. renegotiations. Mm, as if to say, all right, now, you know, like it's safe enough to go back, but we 
you know, we don't expect, you know, because we expect that all these shows are going to run for a while at losses, we need, you know, like the contracts oh. to be renegotiated and, you know, to uh, remove 30%. Well, the city and, is renegotiating all its contracts with its unions. It has to. I mean, because there's right. no money. Yeah, uh, but I don't really see uh, Actors' Equity, uh, the Musicians' Union, all of them, you know, so then they could, could leave it at an impasse where they refuse to do it. Well, maybe. Um, well, that, that is an issue. Um, one other thing that I think was interesting that uh, I read about was about the European market and the fact that the United States is now this boiling uh, cauldron of COVID and uh, the, the vaccine will be coming and it will be, it will, uh, you know, bring us down. But this study was saying that, that European tourism may not come back to the United States to where it was before until 2025, something yeah. like that, which is a big chunk of the, um, of the, uh, of the Broadway audience. So then, like, because I wonder, could there be a, enough of a New York audience to, I mean, if the shows, like, you know, if they create shows to appeal to New Yorkers, will they come back? If you or, give us, yes, if you give us things that, you know, that's what it, when was the last time Broadway was for, for New Yorkers? I mean, they used to, you know, come on, Eugene O'Neill and all these, and Tennessee Williams and all these playwrights. I mean, but it, the, the, it's an audience that has felt unwelcome there, so it's, but it's like, okay, now we need you, so come back and we'll do, you know, we won't do <laughs> Escape to Margaritaville now. We'll do, you know, um, True. But I, I, got, also want I got a free margarita at that show, so that, that put me in the right mood. I got I more than one free Broadway, margarita at that show, and I still didn't like it. Yeah, me too. Um, I have to wonder also if Broadway and theater in general, after, at least immediately after this, is going to have to rethink what its age demographic is. Because even with vaccines and everything, I do think the traditionally much older audience, older audience. will be still reluctant, perhaps. Yes. I mean, look, I'm not a kid. None of us here, except for Matt, is a kid. But I mean, I'm. I don't think not anymore. Here. Maybe, maybe once. Yeah, but, but you're 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 not in the dangerous class. I know how old David is. I'm not totally sure how old Andy is, but we're all still in that if the class or our doctors are much happier, we don't go out. Um, even after all everything's over, I think that's the demographic least likely to come back to the theater. And they're the ones who've been filling the asses in the seat. So like, do we start to need to really produce things for the younger people, make it affordable somehow, and hope that they come, which is why something like Moulin Rouge, which I think far more appeals to them. Actually, or any uh, of those six musicals. is the show. Six what? is the show. Six. Six, absolutely. So I didn't. I was. That was the last show. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I didn't like it either. But that's the uh, <laughs> ideal for you know that young girl demographic, and it's cheap, which yeah. is why I I think well, that could be the first show to come back. In my unpublished review, I urge it to move to new world stages. Uh, I see. <laughs> yeah, but I that, that it's touring. That, that, right that they are planning to do it in England, I think, again, and. Oh, uh, the English love that stuff, but it's about their royal family. And yeah. let's not, we could do a whole hour long debate, or I could, about how little the English know about musical theater. I've actually started a book about that, which is basically please stay away. Uh, <laughs> but it's in, well, uh, I wonder but if Matt I, is right. I mean, the screaming young girls at six. And no, now that I think about it, have the money to go back. 
It's actually surprising that Netflix didn't grab it up, especially with the Queen. Well, or, or, the it, Crown. It, I keep calling Diana. the Crown the Queen. Whatever. They, they are doing Diana. They filmed, yes. they filmed it yeah. in, in in the empty theater. They, we, well, they did it. So it's, yeah. All right, it, now it, people tuned in. Are we going to make any predictions at all? Okay. Well, that's that's sure. what I want to know. Of all of us here. Uh, yes. re reviewing the predictions for best musical. David, you are the only one, uh, unless you want to update your predictions or haven't yet, you're the only one who says, who does not say Moulin Rouge for best musical. Oh, really? Am I you the only Jag one? Yeah, you say Jagged Little Pill. Uh, what are you thinking here? I'm, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just- <laughs> That's I'm, a bad answer, kiddo. Okay, okay <laughs> let me, I'll take it back. I, okay, of the nominees, it's Jagged Little Pill, uh, Moulin Rouge and Tina. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I know you're supposed to vote for who you, uh, you're putting who you think will win, not who you're going to vote for, who you would like to see win. Um, I think that Moulin that's really interesting. I, I picked Jagged Little Pill because I think it, um, tradi traditionally, it's the kind of show that, I mean, Moulin Rouge is going to be the big box office thing. It's going to do better at the box office in general than Jagged Little Pill. And uh, Jagged Little Pill got, I think it just edged out Moulin Rouge in the number of nominations. Yes, yeah, so it got one more, but that was it. one more. And I just- nominated the acting categories. And I will not even discuss my objection to that. I mean, of the, <laughs> of the nominees, I think it is the best choice. Uh, and it, it has its flaws. Uh, I think it appeals, as you were saying, it appeals to a younger audience. So that may be part of it. Um, I just, I, it's just a gut feeling that um, Moulin Rouge is just a very pretty nothing. Oh. I, I mean, I, I, it was a hard choice for me, to be honest. Um, it's, first of all, I mean, no disrespect to any of the shows, but it is a lesser of all evil category. It's, it sort of hurts me as a longtime Tony Butterin critic to call any of these the best of anything. They are three reasonably well-intentioned, if mediocre, musicals. I just feel, and maybe this is true my other pundits, and you can chime in, Andy. I just think the spectacle of Moulin Rouge yes. um, is what's going to leap it to the top. And Jagged Little, Little Pill, while I had, there was a lot of things I liked about it, there are so many things I didn't really like about it. Um, I mean, I didn't love everything about Moulin Rouge either. As I said, it's all lesser of two evils. But I think Jack of Little Pill, for a lot of people, the negatives are just as much as the positives. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it came away with it either. But I just think Moulin Rouge is the kind of spectacle we often reward in a best musical category. But in terms of the out-of-town voters, who will, they, will Moulin Rouge be harder to mount across the country? No, no. No. Well, I mean, they won't have, They won't be able to spend twenty-six million dollars on Darren McLean's set, but um, this recalls uh, the the battle like between Beautiful and A Gentleman's Guide to uh, Love and Murder, right. and a lot of people thought Beautiful would win. Oh, that's a tour. Everybody knows it. Nobody wants this dark British thing about death, you know. But Beautiful but it, wasn't really that good to begin with either. So I. I and well, there, there really wasn't well, that much enthusiasm for either show. And right. Gentleman's Guide was really also just a product of the work of O&M and how they managed to market it and, you know, make that show a hit 
that was a flop and it made for a great story. I mean, I hate to say it. I think if there was one halfway decent, really just halfway decent original musical on this list, it would probably win by virtue of that. I think the problem with it is three jukebox musicals. No matter how much of a book they yeah. made into Jagged Little Pill, we're not dealing with any original scores for the theater. Yeah. And so when you have to decide what's your favorite jukebox musical, it sort of becomes a whole nother level of not only predicting, but voting. Well, My favorite jukebox musical wasn't even nominated, Bob Dylan. Well, that's really yeah. the unfortunate well, timing yeah. of the pandemic. I think there was no question too close. in they anybody's too mind that had they been able to open at a different time or whatever, Girl from the North Country would be eschewing. Okay, okay so moving, more, on to, moving on to best play, uh, uh, three of us agree that it's slave play, except those naysayers Andy Hum and David Sheward, who say the inheritance. So well, I, would, I would have voted for inheritance part one, and I think they are two different, two separate plays. I mean, the first Amen. part was so much better. Um, but uh, I gave Slave Play, you know, three chances, I think. I saw it in three different incarnations. And it just, I, it just, especially that second half of it, I just couldn't bear. But uh, uh, is it of the, but it seems to be of the moment, especially with the critics. But if that's the kind of play you're going to reward and to try to bring people back into the audience, uh, mm, I don't know. Um, David, well, what was your, your reason? I went, I went with Inheritance because it's a tip, it's, you know, it's got all the ingredients for a, a Tony winning play. A huge hit in London, all those Olivier Awards, it's in two parts. Um, it's saying something significant about the gay moment. Um, and it's got a big gushy tear. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I take that back. It's, it's, it, it was very moving, you know, the scene where all the AIDS people came in at the end of the first part. Yes. And it, you know, it, it just ticked all the boxes. Except uh, the fact, I'm sorry, just with the room. Uh, and just to, just to, uh, and slave play is, I disagree. Uh, I thought it was, is, it, 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 it did have its flaws, but I thought it was a very interesting, grabby, uh, it, it sort of it, it sort of grabbed you and made you th it made you very uncomfortable and I think uh, that's what theater should do it should make you uncomfortable the inheritance makes you feel like makes you feel oh I'm a good person because I empathize with these with these people in the play and um, but slave plays like like you know you in the audience you're a racist or you may have racist feel feelings and you should look at it. Um, and that was really, really scary. And that type of show does not win a Tony Award. But it normally, win, normally it I win would, the Oscar. I mean, 12 no, years right. played. Normally, you know, I, I don't think I've met an Oscar voter yet who actually watched it and voted for it. Well, separate conversation. Normally, I might agree with both Mr. Sheward and Mr. Hum, um, although I had serious problems, especially with part two of The Inheritance. But I think we have to look at our political climate. I mean, everybody knows who reads me or what I thought of Slave Play, and I actually really liked it. But really, in 2021, to vote for the inheritance of an all-white play, and it got a major amount of, can I say shit on the air, about that. Yes. Slave Play is the most politically correct, well, um, politically of the moment play. And you I know what? That. I think that's going to take it. Nobody needs a gay moment in 2020, David. We're done with that. I mean. <laughs> I mean, we're not moment. You know, every, every, Matt, every, never you included the rest of the three of us up here are gay, but I mean that's not really a criteria anymore. 
Um, There's always think, time for a gay moment, you know. Inheritance did have some supporting players who were African-American and black. In very small roles, and believe me, I read yes, so yes. much. I read so much blowback. You're right. You I was surprised. Totally right. Totally right. Um, but it wasn't all white. I think, no, okay, but I'm saying, you know, the main characters were all white. And that's, Matthew Lopez is right. I'm not editing anybody's right to write a play. I'm just saying, I think when it comes to voting time, like Tom says with the Oscars, I think a lot of times the most politically correct film has won in recent years. And I kind of think we're going to go that way this time. Well, I don't, know, I don't get as much with the Tonys as with the Oscars. It's a little bit different. It um, is a little different, but this year, Okay. Your point Why about is there no disagreement between any of us for best musical actor and actress? We're all picking for What's that? I said there's just one nominee for best musical. There is just one nominee. Oh, that's true for best musical actor. I my super although, fan on him. Although we could we could really <laughs> debate whether or not he'll actually get sixty percent of the vote. He still needs to get sixty percent of the vote. <laughs> is, that a but is that a law? Let's just assume that he'll get sixty percent. Is that a law? And the winner is, is that a rule that you have yeah. to get 60 percent? Yeah, of the even if you're the sole nominee, the rule is 60 oh, percent really? of eligible voters oh, still have to check yes on their ballot. Wow. So 40 percent will feel strongly enough that Aaron doesn't deserve it, or they want to make a statement, they can vote no. I doubt it. And everybody's saying Adrian Warren for Tina. Uh, why? She why? gave the best. She was. She gave this amazing performance. Just amazing. And I've always liked her. I, I like her in everything I see her in. I, I think that, and it's just a, 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 a an incredible, it's not an imitation of Tina Turner, I don't think. Um, and it's her the whole show, unlike uh, Stephanie Block in, in Cher, who was one well, third of the shares. Right. Um, and I thought she was, uh, it was the minute I saw it, I said, wow, she's got the Tony, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think she deserves a special Tony just for doing that show eight times a week. Or even with six, but I think she did all eight shows. No, I, th I, I no, I think it was seven. There was a uh, there was a standby. But regardless, not I that mean, I'm saying, not not that I'm. Regardless, the amount. I mean, not only the brilliance of the characterization, the singing, the dancing, everything she did, the costumes, but just the energy it took to do that every night. And I happened to be yeah. somewhat friendly with her was just mind blowing. I loved her shuffle along. We have a lot of disagreement in the category of best actress in the play. The votes are all over the place. Really? Okay. Uh, for split between Joaquina, and I, help me with her last name, the slave play. Call it Quango, I believe. I don't quote yeah, me. Uh, okay, thank you. No, thank Mary you. Louise Parker in The Sound Inside, and Laura Linney, my name is Lucy Barton. And uh, I'm not talking about just, in this case, just us pundits on the screen, but I'm talking about all of the Gold Derby pundits uh, uh, their votes are split all over the place. And the irony is the one person who's not getting any votes is the person who usually gets all the votes, Audra McDonald. Since I know I predicted Mary Louise Parker and I'm willing to say I'm gonna vote for her, I will speak on her behalf. Um, I think her work in The Sound Inside was, which was a very tricky play, a very hard part to pull off. Um, it's a two-character play, but it's really almost her show, almost entirely. Um, doing this, really what should be in a 99-seat house stuck in Studio 54. Um, I think for all those reasons, um, and she wasn't, 
I mean, Mary Louise is the kind of actress who we've seen for years. She's always a little bit Mary Louise Parker, and that didn't change. But I also think she created such a distinctive character that that's the reason I think she deserves it without necessarily taking away from any of the other women in the category. I think it's a very strong category, but that's my feeling. She was sent to compete against herself in How I Learned to Drive, wasn't Correct. she? Correct. Yes, that did work out that way. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I picked Laura Linney. Uh, it's a one-woman show. And uh, it was more, re I mean, uh, I just uh, felt strong, more strongly about her performance, which was to play not just the, the narrator, the character, but also her mother and several of the other characters. And she, uh, it was more than a one woman show. It was a, a conflict between her and her mother. And uh, I read the novel it was based on and the, the uh, play uh, adheres to the novel very closely. And she brought it incredibly to life. And it was, it, it made, I don't know, uh, closeness to the time of the voting may have something to do with, I don't know if we, that just goes out the window this time because it'll be like a year before we vote on, um, you know, the nominees. But she was a little bit closer. It was January, uh, as I recall. Uh, and, and I think in, she may have some sentimental. Yes. Set. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, again, I'm very honest with I've reviewed all these shows. I love Laura Linney. Mm -hmm. I hated this show with a passion. And I really actually thought this was the worst work I've ever seen her do. And I wrote yeah. that. Yeah. So I didn't buy any of this, but I think she was hampered more by her material than this. That said, she is Laura Linney. She had never won a Tony. Yeah, that's true. And that may really play into it. And Mary Lou has one. Does she have does. one. I'm surprised, Tom, to be honest, taking nothing away from her for the support for Joaquina, um, a wonderful actress who I think we'll see more of. But she's a, she's a newcomer to this scene. I mean, yeah, she's done work, but... Off-Broadway. Off-Broadway. This is her first big Broadway role. Um, well, Brian, I picked her because for the same reason a lot of you picked Slave Play, because it's of the moment. I didn't like right. the play, but I thought she did a great job. She did do a great job, so I'm saying nothing against her. And she's the um, only one who was not in the Off-Broadway production. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right, they replaced her because actually, whether you guys know this or not, the woman from the Off-Broadway production turned it down. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, she had a, I later found out it's because she had some TV commitment or something, not because it was necessarily the part, which is what I originally thought, but she actually did turn it down. She offered it to everybody from the off-Broadway company. Oh. And it's not like, and look, credit to Jeremy Harris and Robert O'Hara and all those people for not putting a star in that role. Uh -huh. I mean, if they'd really worried about selling tickets, they would have found Aslapita Nyong'o or, you know. I'm well, they didn't curious. sell tickets, did they? What? They didn't sell tickets, did they? I mean, the house- I think they were, I, well, that's what I'm saying. That was gonna be a tough sell, no matter how you well, did I was it. shocked I when they Not said put a star in the part, made it an even tougher sell. I was shocked when they said they were going to go to Broadway. I thought, you're never gonna, you, this is not gonna run very long. I mean, um, look out, white people, you're a bunch of racists is, 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 you know, kind of not a big sell. Well, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but, uh, right. you know. But uh, my only other point, going back to what I said, but I'm smoking out of both sides of my mouth, while Laura may have a sentimental edge, and you might be right, David, more people may have liked the performance than I did. One thing about the Tonys is like they're not sentimental. We all know that. I mean, sure they are. So, well, no, so it's Peter Rivera, like 
40 years, about 35 years to get a, her first Tony. There are plenty of people sitting on the shelf with no Tonys. Yeah, it, it is not as sentimental as the Oscars have been. That's kind of Right, that's what I'm really trying to say. We yeah. often vote as voters, you and I, I think both, vote for whoever we really believe deserves it. We don't tend to factor in the, oh, yeah. poor her, poor him, he doesn't have a Tony. That does happen more often than with other uh, uh, prizes, like people right. like Tracy uh, uh, Letts in Virginia Woolf over Tom Hanks in London. Right, or Bill Irwin in Virginia Woolf over whoever the hell he won that year. I mean, we've had a lot of long shot winners yeah. over the years. So, I mean, predicting this is always, that's why nobody ever gets a perfect score, Tom, because like predicting this. <laughs> we've I we've mean, only had it, one person in the history many, of Gold Derby to have a perfect score at the Oscars. And we've had many times. Damn near. I'm champion of this level base. It's still in math as well, and you all do. But I mean, really, the many times we still can never figure this out because it's, it's really not like the Oscars are the, you know, in that sense where sentiment doesn't always play a part and there's so many competing factors. And, you know, we talked briefly about the road factor. I don't know how many road voters saw yeah. anything that showed up because a lot of times they come yeah. so theoretically the year and they don't see the shows earlier in the year or even if they come. If they're honest, then they can't vote. Can they not vote at all, or can they just not vote in the categories where things are nominated? I'm never sure of that rule. What, what's supposed to happen now is you're supposed to fill out that thing and say when they you did. saw the show. And if you do not, if you say, I didn't see, or you believe it blank, that means you don't get that category. Okay, so it's just the category. I tried to fill out, like, late, whatever they had sent us, and it was no longer active. Oh, really? The portal had... And I haven't received... I Did you get a ballot? No. No. no, okay. It's been right. delayed. Uh, we were saying at the beginning, Matt, that David and I got that first. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I got that too. The last I, time I, I didn't, I didn't last time I've heard from anybody until <laughs> after they announced, made the nominations announcement. And then when I tried to, it looked like it was no longer even active. Oh, no. Okay, that said, oh. that said, I've got another meeting to jump to here, but okay. we can all agree that this show must go, to, go on tradition is a, a real, real. Uh, conundrum with the poor Tony Awards this year. We wish them well, and yeah. we'll be back to give our support uh, whenever they come back. And let's now will this will this be on the Gold Derby website? Yes. Uh huh. Oh, great. Okay, I will put it on my Facebook page. Okay. Yes. <laughs> nice That's to see wonderful. everybody. Thank okay. you, gentlemen. Yes. Along we'll see you at the I, theater I, I, in so 2021, I hope. Yes. <laughs> see you. See you at the.